All right, McFarland, McFarland Energy, thanks for sponsoring the Bradfoe Show. And uh, Courtney, how are you? How are you, Rob? Always good uh, I've you. never been better. Never been better. And Coop, I know how you are because I saw you in Cooperstown. You're still you're still glowing. I'm going to get to get to that. But you know, I I want to uh, welcome in someone who I was so fortunate to run into. And by the way, no mustache. What's going? What happened? Buddy, it didn't work out. I got to watch the worst game in the history of Boston Red Sox. I had to take it off right away. <laughs> All right. So this is Nick Punto. Nick Punto. And Nick, you know this. I mean, I'm not earmuffs if you don't want to be complimented. But, you know, one of my favorite guys I've covered. And also you were with, with the Red Sox for a year. So you left your mark. We talked about it. Nick, obviously, with the Red Sox for 2012, the, the wildly popular 2012 season. Um, and if there was ever a person who was born, who got jaded, who got who got ripped off and not having a ring on 2000. Sorry, man. Look at look at your look at your look at your face. Uh, there is no person on this planet who played on the 2012 Red Sox who should have been on the 2013 Red Sox. than Nick Punto, you should have a ring. You should have a beard. You should have. Uh, you should have everything. You were you were made to be on that team because that team was a bunch of guys who knew what was what. And I'm not saying obviously you guys had guys on 2012, but so I didn't mean I didn't bring you on to rub it in. I meant as a compliment, Nick. Congratulations. I appreciate it, Rob. I do appreciate it. And you know what's crazy about that organization is you're right. I was only there for one year, and that wasn't even a whole year. That was five months. And that organization is just the cream of the crop. And they proved it to me this weekend when we ran into each other. Um, I come into town, let a few people know I'm in town. They take care of me like I was one of their players for 10 years. It just, it, it truly amazed me. Me and my wife were just elated that they treated us like that. It's just a special organization. And Tip of the hat to John Henry and all, all the people in that front office. Truly I mean, is a did, special did, I have to ask, before Courtney gets to hit her question, I have to ask, do you feel jaded that David Ortiz did not include you in his Hall of Fame speech? I mean... Oh, David David and I didn't get to know each other long enough. I know David loves me. Are you kidding me? I know he, he does. Like, I know he does. He was like four lockers down, but when you know somebody for five months, I mean, you're going to forget them. The guy played for 20 years well in fairness he didn't include about you know a ton of people he basically included the people who you saw right in front of him uh right there which is i see dustin bedroya i see mike lowell i see tim uh, wakefield i'm going to mention that don't feel slighted or jaded but listen he he had said he said red sox nation so i mean I yeah, would assume yeah. if you had played for the organization that loops you into I, Red Sox Nation. I gotta so be I, honest with I'm you. I'm gonna I say gotta, Nick Punto did he mix in Euclid? Did Euclid make it? Did he coop? He was there. I think he got named. Yeah, he was there. And by the way, uh, what a what a thrill it was to watch A Rod walk in halfway through the ceremony. Um, yeah, I'm being facetious. Um, so anyway, uh, the 2012 season with the Red Sox. I honestly mean it. Like we talk about the Red Sox organization and being part of a team, and and yeah, sure, you can be part of a World Series champion, but. There was something about going through that year before we get to the like the what it's like to be traded, Nick. Or first, we're going to get to Courtney's question. But there was something about going through that year, which I would imagine like brought a certain collection of guys in that clubhouse tighter than ever, right? Oh, that's a great call. <laughs> that is such a good call. I, I feel like I feel like Pedroia is one of my best buddies. I, you know, Cody Ross, like 
you know, the, the Beckett's, the, 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 the Buckholes, like all those guys in that clubhouse, I feel like we became super tight. And I think, you know, partly that was, you know, Euclid was part of that. It, it, it was just the season that should have been better. And that, that falls on our lap as players, 100%. I believe in that. And it was just, you know, a culmination of just a bunch of things going wrong. But we should have been so much better. And it was so frustrating. But it was like my five months there was pretty special. Put it on the bumper stick- stickers. 2012, the season that should have been better. Oh, so, the proof's in right. the pudding. Proof's in the pudding. What happened in thirteen, right? Right. Well, like you, you said, just had to, you just had to do the Nick Punto trade, and there, there you go. Well, <laughs> I, or I could look at it this way: they would have swept. They would have basically rolled through the playoffs a lot quicker than they did if they had Nick Punto on the team. So, there you go. Um, Are you kidding me? Uh, no, the no. checks in the mail, Rob. The oh, checks in the mail. No, no, no. All right, Courtney, what do you got? So when Rob texted Coop and I actually today and told us that you were going to be on the podcast, I got very excited because I've had a bone to pick with you for Ooh. years. Yes, for years. Okay. okay. So you don't know this, but I'm, I am a White Sox podcaster, part of the White Sox community. And I'm just going to start off by saying, do you remember the nickname Ozzy Gian used to call you? Sure do. <laughs> sure do. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I do. Punto used to give me nightmares when he was with the twins. <sighs> yeah, because yeah, Nick Punto is not supposed to beat you. And somehow I got lucky. Somehow, well, somehow I got lucky a few times. But you're literally talking to someone, and Ozzy was the same way. I love the small ball kind of player. And that was you. That was, I think, Luis Castillo was a part of that team, right? And Good call. And I think Jason Tyner, I think. And you guys you the epitomes of piranhas and that was their nickname that was the nickname ozzy Gian gave you guys so when he goes back to the red sox i know how important you were to that team because i knew what a pain in the ass you were with the twins. <laughs> yeah so, uh, i like that I it's mean, a backhanded compliment but i'll take it thank that you was so a, that was a nickname the piranhas the piranhas yeah. Oh. yeah you missed oh, one you missed one right here this what little hand Devil right here in the corner, Jason Bartlett. Oh, I remember Jason him. Bartlett. Hi. There you go. He was one of those piranhas. There it's you like go. PTSD, it's like sugaring me. It's all coming back now. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. Speak, speaking of speaking of bringing it all back. So this is this is uh you are congratulations, Nick. You are officially the Bradfoe show trade deadline correspondent because okay. none of us have been traded, none of us know know what it's like to be traded. And why technically you weren't traded at the trade deadline? Well, you kind of were because it was before the um, the waiver trade deadline, which they don't have anymore. But yeah. right, so it was, it was in August. So we'll just call it the trade deadline. Um, so uh, in case people don't remember, it was the Nick Punto trade, and I mean this as the highest compliment. When it, when it, you said when you said you you thought that I had dubbed it or termed it or whatever. If I did, it, the reason was because on the power rankings of the people who were traded, I was like, well, Nick Punto's right up there. You know, like I get along with Beckett well, but like you guys were up there. So as far as I was concerned, it was a Nick Punto trade. Don't leave us, Nick. That's what I was yelling. I don't care if you're getting back, you know, millions and millions of dollars in salary cap room, whatever. Don't leave us, Nick. But so you go back to that. And what I want to ask you about, because this is coming up which is take us through that. What happened? Like we we've heard stories about 
It, it was because it was it, you. It was a, the most mammoth trade that you would ever see, ever. Yeah. It, it's not just because you were involved, but it, it was. Uh, take us through ex- exactly what happened from your it, perspective. You know what's funny is you, you, usually those things happen super quick, and I feel like this was drawn out for like two or three weeks, and it was just more like mumbles. Like no, it wasn't news. It wasn't. It was just mumbles. And I don't know where we were getting those mumbles, but I kept hearing, you know, Blockbuster, like these guys are going. I don't know if, you know, if it was Beckett's agent getting wind or if it was Gonzalez or Crawford, but I was getting a little bit of wind of that. Never did I hear my name in this thing. It was just those three players. And uh, it felt like it was just drawn out for at least, you know, I would say if, if we got, what's the deadline? Is that? 31st? Well, the, well, the non-waiver trade deadline is the, the July th- well, was July 31st, and that one was the end of August. So everyone had to be cleared through waivers. Correct. So congratulations, you cleared through waivers. But the other guys cleared through waivers because their salaries were so high, right? Correct. So, yeah. So anyway, it was like August 25th, the trade went down. Yes. And uh, I mean, it, it ha- the, the end happened quick, and my name was somehow involved. And I remember my first emotion was you just don't like, I didn't, I don't want to ever get traded. It's just not in my being. Like if I, if I sign up for something, I want to do it. I want to live out my contract and I want to do it to the fullest. And at that point, I just didn't show the Red Sox nation who I was. I was struggling offensively. Um, I got hurt. You know, it just wasn't who I wanted to be on the field for them. So I was torn yes, I wanted to go to LA. I mean, that's where my family is. That's where, so that part was like, Oh, cool. I'll go to LA. This team stinks anyway, right now. Um, And they have a chance to win, you know, and I'm a winner. That's what I love to do is win. That's all I got. I'm not going to win an MVP. I'm not going to win a batting title. All I have is the 24 guys around me and I'm going to make them the best I can. They can be so that I get to win. Right. So that, that, that's my thing. Um, Super excited to go to LA. They got a chance to go to the postseason. That was ex- very exciting. But then I was super torn that I didn't get to live out my two-year contract that Ben Sherrington signed me to, and I, and I just got chills. I should, if I live that thing out, I'm a world champion again in 2013, and that, that it, it still bothers me to this day. It really does. So, so when you trade, like you said, you get you get wind of this. It is murmurs. And then, so they, what they come down, they tell you, like, they tell you, hey, you're traded. We got the private jet going out to Colorado. Cause I think you guys were going to Colorado. Like, no, so, no, we went, no private I, jet for you. We went on the private jet, but I think we went straight to LA. Cause I want to say, because of the three hour time difference, we, we left sometime mid afternoon and got Gonzalez in the lineup. He, he played that day. Oh, okay. And hit a home run. Okay. So, how many who who has been on a private jet? Raise your hands. No? <laughs> Nobody? Like all I can so Nick, I love with some good private jet talk. So I apologize. Like because all the good stories happens on private jets, right? And when you're on a private jet, all you can think about is how do I make enough money to be on a private jet the rest of my life? Correct? Oh, Am I wrong? That is the that's a fact. It's a fact. Yeah. Like if there was a genie, there's one wish I could get. It'd literally be just let me own a private jet. Right. So in lieu of making a lot of money, the other way to get on a private jet is by being in a blockbuster trade. 
Congratulations. So uh, what was that like? You have Beckett, you have Gonzalez, you have Kyle Crawford. I mean, it, come on. It must have been a scene. I, I'll tell you what. All right, I'll walk you through this one. It's a it's a mad rush. You know, we got to get packed and we got to get on this flight at this time, you know, per the Dodgers because they sent the bird. Um, and it was just, we didn't have much time. Thanks to our amazing clubhouse staff in Boston, they, they somehow made it made it happen. But it was somehow, some way we got on that bird. And when we landed, my childhood idol, and I know this is Boston Nation, but my childhood idol being a Southern California kid was Magic Johnson. Magic over bird all day long. Mm-hmm. I'm from Southern California. I, I've grown to love Bird, respect him. Bye, Nick. It was nice having <laughs> you on the podcast. Uh, hey, go I've ahead, grown continue. To love him. I've grown continue. to love him over the years. Continue. That, that was my guy. Magic Johnson was my guy. He greets us on the tarmac, and I, I don't really remember if I even said hello correctly. Like, I was so <laughs> starstruck. It was ridiculous. So, we, you know, they swoop us off. All the ownership, all the Dodgers ownership is super excited to see Adrian. Crawford, Beckett, and they're like, who's the little guy over there? <laughs> <laughs> but that was a that was a pretty special moment. I mean, th- there must have been though, like the the whole the whole thing where you go from and it wasn't lost on everyone here because because you left us all behind. By the way, we all wanted to get off the private jet and meet Magic Johnson, but because we were left behind with the Bobby Valentine month and a half of. <laughs> All we had was like basically him saying that all the coaches threw him under the bus. You say left behind like it was a bad time. It was, <laughs> it was, it was a weird time. It, like it is. Uh, did they did they, did they ever ask you? They did a documentary on the 2012 Red Sox. Did they ever ask you to be part of that? No, they did oh, not. See, that's here's your opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you don't even want to. You don't even want to. I mean, there's that. so many takes I have from that season. Um, I got to play with Dustin Pedroia. Like that changed my life forever. Like I think I tell more Dustin Pedroia stories to this day than any other player I've ever played with. And I played with Justin Morneau and Joe Maurer for seven seasons. Albert Pools, Yadier Molina. Like I played with some pretty stellar. Jim Tomey was behind me. Like I played with some unbelievable baseball players. But I talk about Pedroia more than I talk about anybody. Well. Yeah, exactly. Coop got a chance. So we had Pedroia on the podcast last week. And Coop was basically, we want to hear his question. Dustin, I mean, which one? How awesome is it to be awesome? I actually, not the technical question. I just said, congrats on being an amazing guy. So Uh, more of a statement than a question. Can I tell tell a quick Pedroia story? You can tell tell 10 quick Pedroia stories. All right. I'll I'll give you my favorite. This is all there's. 100 favorites, but um, we play, I want to say it's Sunday night baseball against the Yankees, which is, it's the best game besides playing in the World Series. Like, there's just not a more intense game. You know, the, the energy's high. You know, both teams hate each other. There's just so many cool things about that. Well, he does a, has a Pedroia day, hits a double, two-run bomb, turns a double play that's not turnable, makes a diving play, just doing Pedroia stuff. So he's on fire after the game. We win, walks up to the clubhouse, sits right next to me. I'm like a couple couple down from him. And I just kind of look at him, give him the wink, like, yeah, you are the freaking man. You are fun to watch, kid. 
And well, that kind of fired him up, I think, because ownership starts coming through the clubhouse and, uh, you know, showing off, you know, a couple, they probably brought a couple friends in just to see the boys. And uh, Pedroia starts screaming, now's your chance. Now's your chance. If you want me, it's going to cost you a hundred. If you want me, it's going to be a hundred, but it's not going to last long. And I swear to you, he signed within a week. That's <laughs> awesome. Guy. That is awesome. That guy is by far the funniest and most intense teammate I've ever had. Yeah. And and so we just, I saw him at the hall of fame, which we're going to get to in a second. And, and Nick, you know, like there's on Pedroia and there's like the, I'm, I'm just like going to be boring Pedroia for the media. Yeah. And, but it, most of the time it's on Pedroia. Right. And he, he was, I don't, because I don't think he's getting out of the house a lot. Like, to be honest with you, like he showed yep. me his phone. He's got a four handicap now. So, Ooh. oh yeah. Ooh. Right. Don't, right. That was, that was very difficult to pry from him. Um, but it was, it, he was on Pedroia. He was bebopping around that room. Like, oh my God, you know, it was, <laughs> That's yeah. When, when you get him riled up, but uh, yeah, it was something. Uh, all right. Well, so before we get to um, these, these fine people, Courtney and Coop, they had, Nick, they had unbelievable weekends in different ways, right? Okay. Am I wrong? Oh, it was a weekend. Okay, it was a weekend. Okay. But, you- question for Coop, though. Did anyone make the Coop in Cooperstown joke to you? Countless times. I mean, you, you grow up with the name Cooper and you grow up being a baseball fan. You hear yeah. it enough. Um, so got a couple texts from Rob from like pictures of like merchandise. That they said had a Coop shirt that said Coop. How people. can I not take a picture of I, it? So Yeah, I mean, I just that would be weird move to be named Cooper and then just also be like wearing the name Coop. I feel like that's like that's something you can only do if you're Pedroia. And so and but coincidentally, coincidentally, Nick got the date of the, the Hall of Fame induction wrong. And he was in Cooperstown on Tuesday, right? Or Wednesday. Is that right? I, I missed yeah. you. you guys were passing me right on the 90, I think. <laughs> well, it, 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 we're probably passing you on one of the smallest roads in America. But that's a whole story for another day. So Nick's son was playing. You were coaching your son's team out in Cooperstown, correct? Yeah, we did the little 12U baseball tournament out there. It was good. Yeah. yeah great time. Did you, great did you, time, did... but I would have loved to be there for David. We just were crossing paths the wrong way. That's okay. That's all right. Gone but not forgotten. Although That's I would cool. I would I really would have liked to see you the dynamic with you and Pedroia together yeah. once again at the park. Now that I know he's a four handicap, I'm gonna fly out to Arizona right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Well right after he, we get off this podcast, I'm flying out to see him. Let's let's yeah, listen. And if you he can take a video. As, as the trade deadline correspondent, as a member of the family now, if you have to take a, a video of it and send it to us for content. Done. Let's go. Done. Um, all right. So this spin the wheel of the weekend. All right. Oh, no. But first, I want to get the, the last thing about the trade deadline. Um, when it comes to the trade deadline, here's the question that everyone's asking, right? Is like, how impactful, how weird is it in the days leading up to the trade deadline? You have only been traded that one time during the season. You were traded in the offseason once. But – how weird is it leading up? Because right now with the Red Sox, and I would imagine the White Sox too, Courtney, yep. it's this sort of weird, are we buyers, are we sellers? Hey, why don't you go get us some people? And if you don't get us some people, if you sell off guys, we're going to give up. Like, like, What is it like in there right now? It is uh, – it's it's just uneasy. It's like the first time of the year where you're there's people walking on eggshells. Like – 
it, it almost breaks up the camaraderie that's going on for the first four or five months, whether it's good or bad. It's just an uneasy feeling when you are a possible seller. Now, get, don't get me wrong. There's, there's times where, well, not to brag, but most of the time I played in the major leagues, I was never a seller. So I was always on the, are we going to pick up a piece right. to get a, a yep. promise? Right. So, you know, I got to play in the postseason, I think eight times out of the 13 years in the big leagues. So I was on the other side all the time. And I, you know, we, we would like push our managers. I'd, I'd be like, Guardy, we didn't grab somebody. Guardy, we didn't grab somebody. This is the team, buddy. We're, we're, we can win this all. Give us that one piece. We can do it. Right. So I was always on the other end of, uh, you know, I, we were buyers, not sellers. So that year I was in 2012, I feel like it was the first time in my career where I was like, this is kind of strange. Like, I think we're going to start shipping people out of here. And, you know, that's our fault, right? That's nobody else's fault but the players. Right. And but, so, but we, when you get, when you get the guys, when those years that you get guys, is it, is it a cliche to say, Hey, you know, what? it's almost like you, you've just hooked up the jumper cables and you got a jolt for the last couple of months. And obviously you become a better team, you think. But is it impactful or are guys sort of looking around, hey, this guy's going to take my job or this guy's going to upset the apple cart in terms of chemistry or whatever it is? You know what? I, I think winners are winners. And if you're truly a winner, you just let that guy walk in the clubhouse and you want him to feel as, as uneasy, like just ready to go. Like, so um, – yeah, of course, there, there was times where I think in, in 2011, when we won the World Series, uh, we shipped Colby Rasmus to uh, Toronto and we grabbed Rafael for a call. And uh, he's basically taken Ryan Terrio's job. Ryan Terrio is a freaking winner. Like, he, for a call walks in, Terrio knows he's better than him. He just drops right into that role player role. And that is the reason he's a glue guy. Like, I, I think so highly of Terrio because that is tough. When somebody walks into the clubhouse, takes your job, are you going to pout or are you going to jump on the winning bus and let's do this? And uh, he was a big part of the reason we won that World Series. He played a huge role, played some second base, um, big clutch hits. Uh, you know, there's, there's two – like, I think it's winners and losers. At the end of the, at, at the, end of the day, you have winners and losers – and when a trade like that happens, you one, you got to thank your ownership. Like, thank you. Like, right. this is awesome. You believe exactly. in us. And, uh, you know, th we just went rolling. You know, we had for call come play shortstop. Um, I was playing shortstop over there with Terry a little bit. And we just weren't, we're not as good as for call. So, like, when he came in, we were like, sweet, let's go, let's roll. I went over to second with Terry We kind of, you know, did the platoon thing. And uh, it was that was an unbelievable clubhouse. That 2011, yeah. pretty it's, special. It's, it's weird, you know. Like so, the, our respective teams here, the White Sox and the Red Sox, you know, they're in this weird world. They almost have identical records as we sit here, and yeah. I, and the perception is, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, the perception in Boston is this: oh my goodness, the sky is falling. And Nick, you were there, so you got a little. Well, you you were really there. You you went to the 28 to 5 game. <laughs> God bless you. And so, but if you, if, did you stay for the whole game, by the way? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Like 14, God bless you. Matt, 14, <laughs> we were in center field and I had 14 kids with us. They got a home run every other pitch. 
You know, how was I going to tell them we got to go? They're like, no, there's going to be a home run next pitch. It's practically a home run derby. It was crazy. Batting practice, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. see, uh, the great game of baseball paying off in uh, in subtle ways once again. But, you know, you were with, you know, like the sky is falling with the Red Sox. Uh, Of course, you got to sell. You're not going anywhere. And then, Corey, correct me if I'm wrong, but sort of trying to gauge what's going on with the White Sox. It's like, well, we invested. We're playing a little bit better. Uh, yeah, we're four games out of the, or three and a half out of the wild card, whatever. But but we're we're gonna go. What are you talking about? We're of course we're gonna add. Is that I mean, right? I guess the only difference um, in our respective divisions, not to rub it in, but mathematically, the White Sox still have a shot to potentially win the division. Right. And take a miracle for the yeah, Red. The Red. The Red Sox are mathematically eliminated already. That's, that's not gonna happen. So no. as, as I mean, it's ridiculous. The White Sox started the second half at five hundred. They're now at 500 again as we speak. So they've been playing average baseball all year. And, you know. But, but there's an expectation. There's an expectation that. There is. They're going to trade for somebody, right? And I'm here. I mean, I'm hearing Jose Quintana. I mean, typical White Sox moves. And they've been doing this, you know, since Nick Punto's days with the Twins. You know, I mean, that's just kind of been their MO, not making the big splash. I mean, we wanted Trevor Story and you guys signed him. So. You know, not the Red Sox in that regard. But the difference is we still technically have a shot at the division. Yeah, I guess. Coop, you know, am I, am, am I misrepresenting pro- anything, Coop? I mean, it's it's pretty doom and gloom as, like, a Boston sports fan, like, from my idiot, like, brain perspective. But, um, yeah, we get irrational pretty fast here. I mean, if, if they Coop, if- Coop, can I tell you how amazing your voice is? Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? Don't, brace yourself, Nick. Ready? Take your hat off, cool. No, it's not. It's not a great hair day. It's, oh, look at that hair. hair! It's a it's a hair for radio type day. That's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty solid. Good. Best head of hair you've ever played with, Nick. Oh, Besides, cool. There's some good ones. There are some good ones. Uh, shoot. I mean, is Salto Lamakia's head of hair decent with that big old? I think he had I some think, nice curls. I think it would. Be, I, I think it would yeah. be more unique than you know. There's it's better. Like, it's like D- D- Dansby Swanson has a good head of hair. Right? Oh, head of hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So yeah, like a Matt Guerrier was solid. Uh, you know, sexy Joe Maurer was nice. <laughs> Justin Morneau. Yeah, there. I had some good head of hair, guys. All right. It good. wasn't. It wasn't me or Petey. I mean, this oh. is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah wow. Well. Oh, well, no, you're, you're 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 solid. You're solid. Bro, I'm I mean, hanging in. Every, everyone's playing for second with Coop. All right, so let's get to it. Uh, and Nick, I want you to weigh in on this stuff because it's life lessons. Ready? All right. So Courtney went to a wedding this weekend. Courtney is like the biggest baseball fan that you'll ever find. Absolutely follow her on social media, Twitter. Great stuff. So Courtney went to a wedding, and and correct me, there was a white White Sox were playing at the same time, right? Oh, they were. They had a double header. Right. So this piqued my interest in terms of how do you follow something at a wedding? Like, what's the protocol? And what what did you do, Courtney? So double header. So the first game was at noon. Wedding ceremony was at one. And we're talking a big Italian, Nick, you can appreciate that, Catholic wedding. So... High end, I mean, at the chapel, gorgeous church in Chicago, and they're like reading their vows, and I'm like sneakily looking at my phone, like checking the score, 
And I'm like acting all serious at the, at the, you know, listening to the vows. We're like checking, you know, oh my God, it's, you know, one nothing socks. Then it's four, you know, four to one Cleveland. I'm like, I can't show emotion because I'm sitting here in the Italian church and I want to scream, but I can't. So you got to be very stealth and very sneaky, but you can get it done. I so, love that. How about the, re- <laughs> but then you have to morph into the reception, right? Are you, are you, are you like, once you have to wait until you know the outcome before you hit the dance floor or are you in the corner until you get the result? Well, I will say there were a couple, so we were at a hotel a couple times. I snuck to the hotel bar to watch the game. Hmm. Okay. Had to be done. So, you know, you got, you just got to pick your, pick your choices and pick your, when you can kind of sneak out. And then that was a win for the socks and the doubleheader. So you better believe I hit the dance floor. A glass of wine. We were we were getting after D- dancing with a glass of wine. Yeah, because it kind of evens you out, you know. You kind of <laughs> light mood. I actually don't know. I I'll be completely honest <laughs> with you. I don't know because I don't dance like that. Did enough like the yeah. whole wine. Yeah, it kind of balances <laughs> yeah. you. Light now can dance. can I ask you if you were in the wedding party? Would you just like would you defer and just say, hey, like I'm not big enough for this moment? This is going to be very tough because I have another wedding coming up that I'm in on October 8th. That could be right Ooh. in the God willing, it's right in the playoffs. So Ooh. it's going to be tough. Yeah. Be- How's my boy Tony LaRussa doing? I was going to ask you about that, Nick. You want to uh, work a series with him, right? I sure did. Yeah, he was – I love him. I mean, he's like a father figure to me. Absolutely love him. Well, then I'm not going to share what my <laughs> – Twitter. <laughs> no, I know, I know. He's yeah, yeah. Well, well, but but he's amazing, though, like, here's the deal. I like I said, there's winners and losers. Yep. To me, when I had Tony in 2011, if I if I felt like we were about to play a game of chess, I felt like we had the lead starting the game, and that to me is what I wanted. Like, so, it, give me a chance at the very beginning before we even start this competition. And you tell me we have a little edge on the other team, I'm good with you. And that's so what let me, you are. So along those lines, okay. So Never here I am. I'm What's I'm that? Switzerland, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna present what happened this year, and I want Nick your take on it. And Courtney, you know this, you know where I'm going with this, probably, which is, you know, when he intentionally walks a guy with two strikes, right? This earlier this year. And, you know, he has explanations. And I think that and you would know this better than I, Nick, but I think Tony likes, like, the the conversation. He, he's a little bit like Joe West. You know, yeah. he, he wants to be Yeah. But, I mean, he does – obviously, that was – he does things outside the box, but that was way, way outside the box. Right. So – but, you know, I think as a player – do you, do you say, hey, you know, okay, we're just going to have to take your word for it because we value you in so many other ways? Absolutely. And you know what? There could be mistakes that he's made in 2022 that he could never make in 2011. I was going to say right? that. Oh, that's a good point. That's a very good like, point. That's 11, that's 11 years ago, man. That's a big deal. You know, I'm a lot different 11 years ago than I am today. Well, so. were you on the, were you to go, because everything comes back to the 2012 Red Sox. Were you still on the team when Valentine uh, pinch hit for Jose Iglesias with Daniel Nava in the middle of the at bat? Yeah, sure was. <laughs> yeah, I was there. 
<laughs> it's just, you know, there's, there's things you just don't fight. You know, there, there's codes that you shouldn't fight. And, and that's one of them. What, know, was, what was, so take us into the dugout right when that happened. Because again, none of us were in the dugout. It, I think we were just so bewildered by it that nobody really even really had much to say. And it was just a culmination of the entire season was just so weird. The, you know, the whole season was weird. Every night was just something different. It was just, I don't know, you, you know, he, he came from Japan and, you know, him and Pedroia didn't get along and Euclid, like there was just so many things going on. And, and you know, the part of me where I just came off of winning a World Series with arguably the greatest set of 25 dudes you could ever have, meaning just we're on the same page, all the coaching staff, same page. It was like, oh, my God, am I in the twilight zone? Where am I right now? I signed up to win another World Series with a storied franchise with an unbelievable roster, and it just didn't turn out to be that. <laughs> sure it didn't. But listen, I, I, it's like I said, you became closer. You you became closer with a lot of your brothers and your your teammates, and you, maybe you ever would otherwise, because as yep. as a member as as a member of some of those. Uh, thank you for bringing me some of those bitch sessions in, in the corner of the clubhouse. Oh my! It was God. I could you know you guys were in it together. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I. I do want to touch on the Larusa thing a little bit because I pre I really appreciate your input. I mean, you would certainly know more than I would in that regard. And I will say, shockingly, this White Sox team has said privately and publicly they they actually stick by Tony for the most part. So I think yeah. people are are seeing that. I mean, listen, the White Sox struggles are it's not all Tony, not even close. Um, but there has been a handful of incidences where. You know, it's a little bit of a head scratching move. Let's just put it that way. Well, right. Cool. Yeah, but like, like you said, the, the voices are saying they like him, right? Like, <laughs> I, 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 I find it hard to believe that his players don't see what I saw, right? Like, he's he's going to be prepared. He's never going to be shocked by any sort of moment. And you know, like I always felt like we're going to win this competition tonight because our general is a little bit better than theirs. So I was going, I was going to ask you, like. I, I wanted to just pick your brain on, on game six of 2011 alone, just because that's, I think when you talk about postseason baseball, that game in itself has to be Ooh. in the conversation just yep. because of how entertaining it was. So when you look at Tony La Russa and some of the things that he might do this season in the back of your head, do you still kind of look at that game six and you're like, Hey, like if he can get us through that, then I, I'm not going to question anything he's doing this season. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't watched a ton of White Sox baseball, but you know, I, I do read the papers and or you know, read the news and papers. You hear me? Like that's that's a 45-year-old man. Thanks. I do I love read the papers. Thanks, thanks for keeping us in business. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one. But uh yeah, he he was just hard not to really respect and like in 2011. Um game six there were so many up and down roller coaster moments in that game. But every time I looked down in the corner, the guy was just so even keel. And when you have a manager that is that even keel, it is hard not to just gravitate towards that and just live in the moment and be in the moment. And we never feared any of those moments in game six. I mean, it was clutch hit after clutch hit. Um, it, it, 
a little side story is Tony used me kind of as, you know, if I had to get information to veterans or, you know, he, he uses veterans for different roles. Well, we're down to our last strike with Lance Berkman up and he whistles at me. He tells me to come over. He says, Hey, if this doesn't work out, you tell these boys to stay in the dugout. We got to say thank you to these fans. And I said, Skipper, it's going to work out. And two pitches later, he gets, <laughs> gets the base hit. And then there you go. But he just was always thinking about every possible scenario. And uh, he will always be like a father figure to me. I, lo- I love the man. That's a great story. Your, that's, that's awesome. Your tidbits on Tony La Russa just totally put me at ease. And it totally made up for your piranha days with the twins. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good <laughs> yeah. to meet you. Yeah, well, we get, before you go, we have to get Coop. Uh, Coop, did oh. you have to get going, Nick? Are you all set? No, no. Okay. Yeah. All right, because... As much as I, w- I want to do the 30 for 30 on Courtney dancing with the wine uh, to balance yourself off, I also, the big other big part of the weekend was Cooperstown. And <coughs> um, Coop, Coop went out. Uh, we had the Bradfoe Show Airbnb, which was a fantastic example of lodging. <coughs> Excuse me. See, but like in terms of unique Airbnbs goes, Coop nailed it. But without getting too much into that, Coop, top three moments from the weekend. Oh, man. Top three. I mean, one of one is just getting to see Poppy get inducted. Um, I mean, I, me and my friends had booked this Airbnb and this whole thing probably the second that the whole announcement came out in January. Um, just to, to, to put in per- perspective how much of an idiot fan I am, Nick, there. Um, just because I, I grew up getting to – I was born in 97 – um, so like just coming of age, like getting to watch like Oh four, uh, and everything that Ortiz had get, got to do. And, uh, I think like every baseball fan should get that opportunity to kind of see their, their heroes, um, get inducted into the hall. Cause it's such a cool event. There's so much pomp and circumstance and history behind it. So it was kind of cool getting to see David Ortiz get his moment and, uh, you know, Pedro being there and some of the other guys that were part of his, uh, his career getting to be there. Nick Punto, unfortunately not getting to be there because he's doing dad duties. Um, but, but getting to see him get up there, give his speech to not just, you know, Red Sox nation, but also the Dominican. It is, was, it it is a crazy, else. it is a crazy scene, man. Like it is like, Courtney, have you ever been to the hall of fame? Never been. And I almost went when Pudge Rodriguez, cause he's my all time favorite when he got inducted, but I didn't pull the trigger. It's, so. it's so crazy. You, you, the roads just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and uh, here's the thing. So after the Red Sox party for Ortiz, which all these guys, Lowell and Pedroy and all these guys were at. And after that, uh, Coop was nice enough to let me like shack up at his place. <laughs> and it was on that ride. I almost hit no lie. A skunk, a porcupine, three deer, a kitten. Oof. I mean, these roads, these roads. You got you to gotta make it out into, like, the suburbs and country, like, a whole lot more, Rob. You're, you're <laughs> too much of a city boy. No, I'm, well, I'm, I'm trying to paint the picture of, like, how unique Cooper's just there, dude. I know exactly what you're talking right, about. Right, so there you go. <laughs> I almost hit two deer, Rob. There you oh, go. I was on those same roads. You are, listen, I was going to say you aren't trying unless you hit it, almost hit a deer. Okay. I was the, say the wild part is that like all the roads are 55 miles per hour too. And they're all yes, winding. 
Like the state of New York just never thought like, hey, this take the governors out of the tractors and let it fly. (laughs) Let's go. Um, um, but but the other the yeah. other highlights getting to see the hall it was my first time ever getting to go to cooperstown and you know my 24 years of living so kind of made that pilgrimage um can i but, jump quick yeah go did, ahead did you see ted williams little thing the shadow box of his numbers where, what do you hit on the on the count so it's like in the so on his actual plaque or no so ted williams has a box right it's the strike zone right you see the strike zone yeah and it shows you it's got a baseball and it shows you his career average in each spot each little tiny baseball section so there's probably a hundred baseballs in that zone and it shows you like what his batting average was on this pitch right this is part of the zone his worst batting average was down and away like the furthest quadrant down and away strike on the outside part what was the average on that 240 I hit 245 in my career. Must be nice, huh? 240 on the toughest pitch. Everything else was like right in the middle was 390. He had a 405 average on a pitch, like the one right right center center. I mean, that is just mind-boggling to me. How can you be that? Two things jumped to mind when you're talking about that Ted Williams exhibit. Number one, when you started talking about when he started like doing this with like Ted Williams, I thought you were going with 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 a head joke. Which was <laughs> you? You did too, Courtney, didn't you? You so absolutely, did I. yeah. Sorry, but uh, but the I also That's am not- curious. I also am curious about you have kids. Nash is how old? 11, 12? 12. 12. So the thing is, is like with that museum and Coop, you can attest to this. With the Baseball Hall of Fame, it is a museum. Like Basketball Hall of Fame, it's. Let's go do pop a shot. Let's like do all this type of stuff. It's cool, but in a different way. So for for Nash and his buddies, was it like were they transfixed or they were kind of like, ah, oh, get us to the batting cage? You know, your little slogan, baseball isn't boring. Yeah. Baseball's boring for 12 year olds in that museum. Yeah. Yeah. They need to do they need to do a little bit more. And and you know what? I love that it's a museum. I love everything it represents. But that's because my life has history. I've been around for 45 years. When you're talking about a kid that's only been around for 12 years, he has no history to his life. So what is he going to go in that museum and see? Sure. Right? Yeah, so yeah, like, I mean, like, a lot a lot of the stuff that I gravitated towards were, you know, everything that's happened in the, the last 20 years. Whereas, like, I, I was still able to, like, able to see, you know, like, um, like a, a hat from Nolan Ryan. And I can be like, well, that's... You know, that's pretty dang cool to be able to see like someone that struck out that many players and like have something to symbolize like, you know, a game where he had 19 strikeouts or something like that. But um, well, but yeah, like well, I I've, I always gravitate towards like, you know, like the 2004 stuff or the 2007. Yeah, stuff but the other stuff, but I'm glad you said that, Nick, because I like I think that's true. And like, I don't want to be because I was coming off of in May, like one of my career highlights, not even close was when David invited me to go on the tour with him, right? So I'm going on this tour through the, the Hall of Fame with David Ortiz holding Babe Ruth's bat, you know, and, and, and like seeing this. So the whole time I'm like this, you know, like transfixed by it. But I remember going with my kids and it was like, eh, same thing. So, eh, they, you know, they let, you know what? That video is amazing. It, if you just go for that 30 minute video, that's that's for 12 year olds, right? That's for 10 year olds to 16 year olds. That video is almost everything. You know, 
the way that whole thing goes with Cal Ripken at the beginning, you know, yeah. he played every day because that's what he was supposed to do, right? Like just that simple line just gravitates towards me. He played every day because that's what he was supposed to do. I think we lose, we lose that. Like we're, we've lost that. It, it was my, my whole career. We kind of lost that. Like you, you signed up to play every day. You know, the Red Sox signed you up to play every day. That's what you're supposed to do. And uh, I loved, that was probably my favorite part of that video. The, uh, and Courtney, don't worry. Next year we have the, we have Bradford show private jet going the all-star game and then the hall of fame. So I'm there you go. I am on this podcast and I'm missing on all these events. I'm getting a little offended. Well, again, we had to we had to secure the private. We only we're we're only doing things on private jets going forward. And 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 for the record, Rob, I would love this because I'm yes, I'm 34, but I am a as you know a baseball historian. I mean, I like you know the 2070 Yankees stuff. I mean, I really enjoy the history of the game. So I'm expecting an invite to Seattle next year mm-hmm. and to the Hall of Fame. Yep. And Nick, <laughs> now that you're part of the family, you're on the plane too. That's it. That's it. I love it. So much fun. So, uh, Coop. So, is there any other any other uh, big takeaways other than other than getting a chance to see me at first thing in the morning? No, no. I mean, other than like, I I'd have to go back because the downside to Hall of Fame weekend is that it, the place gets packed and you it's don't really get the time to to look yeah. at everything. You kind of get shuffled along with everyone else. Um, so, I'll I'll I will definitely be back at Cooper's. Table. All right. So, the last thing I want to so I, I've been wrestling with this and I made a quick mention of it early in the podcast. Of if is this a big deal or not? So, and, and Nick, I don't know where you fall on a row, like whatever. But so, I so the, everyone's making a big deal. A Rod's coming to the Hall of Fame. Great, super. So he's at the party the night before. That's fine. You know, he's, you know, he's become friends with David again. Mariona Rivera was there too. So it wasn't like it was just Red Sox players. It was cool. It was fine. But then, so I'm walking, I go out, I get waters and I come back to deliver to my, my wife and, and, um, and A-Rod, this is halfway through the ceremony. I mean, halfway through four inductees have already been gone. I've already gone. Four inductees. Here comes A-Rod in. So I'm like right behind him. So I like take the video of him walking in. My point is, is like, dude, either you're in or you're out. Like you can't go halfway. You can't. That's because, because one of the great things about the ceremony, which I wasn't expecting, I learned a ton about Jim Cott. I learned a ton about a guy named Bud Fowler. I learned a ton about all these other guys. Either you're in or you're out. Is, am I making too much of this? I, you know what, A-Rod and, and David have become good friends from, you know, working on at Fox, right? I think if they're not best buddies at Fox, you know, he might not show up. But, you know, you, <clears throat> the last five years of David's life have probably involved a lot of Alex, right? No, I know. I, I, I And I'm you know, glad he was there. I'm just saying, I'm just ranting. Sorry. I know you're ranting, but yeah, I mean... Alex Rodriguez doesn't belong around anything Red Sox, and I—that's what you're ranting about. No, no, I'm ranting that I'm ranting. You're 100 Red Sox. No, 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 I'm ranting that like we all have to sit there for two and a half hours, and he should have two. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. okay. Yeah, so that's it. How about you guys? Know what I'm saying or no? What's that? No, I was asking Courtney and Coop. You know, no. I really don't it? care don't about a Rod. I, I like. I don't give him two thoughts too often other than when he's in the booth, like doing Sunday night baseball, although he does his K rod 
broadcast now, so yeah, I don't really have other. to pay that's attention our, to them. That's doing our broadcast that. podcast. Um, Can I give yeah. you a question real quick? Yeah. yeah. What do you got on Jeter's little deal? Ooh, the doc. Did you did I tell you what Pedroia said on the podcast about it? Yeah. No. Oh, I, 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 oh, so he says he's talking about Pedroia's talking about missing playing. And he says, I watched the Jeter doc and I immediately have you been to his house in Arizona? I haven't, but I'm okay, going so, now. Going so now. yeah, well, obviously right golfing now. with him and everything else. But he has a batting cage in his house. And so, which by the way, like you used to work out with him, right? In the off season. Oh yeah. Andre Ethier yeah. and yeah, yeah. I think that's when I first met you. You don't remember that, but yeah. yeah. So, um, but he has a batting cage in his house. And he said, I watched a Jeter doc and I immediately wanted to go play. So he's like, I went and hit missiles. And what was it, Coop? Tell me if I'm, I'm misrepresenting this. But he said, uh, I was hitting missiles, and if uh, my legs worked, I would be leading the league in hitting right now. Quote, unquote, I, he would be leading the league in hitting. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is and so peedy. And I offered, I said, you can uh, use my knees. And he said, I don't want any part of that carcass. So, <laughs> so. You guys just triggered one more. Let me get one quick PDF. Yeah, yo, yeah. So, <clears throat> so we get on the bird. He hates the bird. I had two teammates in my career that could not stand flying. Pedroia, number one, and a close second would be Justin Morneau. Mm. So as teammates, you're going to totally razz a guy who's scared to fly. Natural. So you're going to absolutely bury him. Every time we get turbulence, we would love to razz Petey because he's scared to death. He's grabbing the seat, white-knuckled, and he's just freaking out, but trying not to. Well, one night, we, I think we're going over the Rockies. We're going west, and we're going over the Colorado Rockies, and it's gnarly. It's, you know, we're doing a knuckleball. We're, the wings are going both ways. It's, it's scary for everybody. Well, Pedroia, who knows it's over, like he, in his mind, he goes, this is it. We're done. He screams out, it doesn't matter. I'm a career 300 hitter. I'm the <laughs> second baseman in the league. Take it down. <laughs> I lost it. Oh my goodness. That's phenomenal. Well, listen, so man. Oh, that's and by the way, he was 90% serious, right? That's the thing. Is. He was trying not to be scared, so he just got loud. It was so good. Uh well, listen, um, Nick, as I told you before, your whole crew is getting a bunch of baseballs and boring shirts because you have obviously earned them. And uh and now um you are about invited in your into our family. Baseballs and boys. So anytime you find something interesting, please touch base with us. Let us know. We're trying to make spread the word, and and obviously you're a great ambassador for it. And and uh, can't say it enough, man. Like that was, in a weird way, that was a fun team to cover. So it was good times. Awesome, man. Good to see you. Good to meet you too, Coop. Very nice to meet you, Nick. Nice to meet you, Nick. New, new friends. All right, all right. Part all of right. the family. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Yeah.